You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little mudsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, today I had none other than Morris Cole back in. Um, now, this is not part two to the part one. This is um, a chat to Morris about what he's up to now and 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 really sort of like the last year and we kind of went all over the joint. But um, it's not part two. We will get to part two. He assures me there will be the part two leading into when he got pinched and heading into Pantridge. Um, but this is not that. This is um, – I, th- I had a great time talking to Morris this this afternoon, this evening. Uh, yeah. he, he At the moment, Morris is running for the Surf Coast Shire Council and uh, it, it's, it's, it's great to see him put his hand up and and represent the community because I mean and I'm sure there's people out there that have been representing the community but like I don't know who they are and none of them it doesn't feel like have connected with um, well the, the community that I'm connected with uh, so I just feel so stoked that Morris is um, sticking his hand up and having a red hot crack at this um, and he'll be getting my vote um, so Anyway, we had a, a good old yarn um, about this and that. Um, he's been through a lot. I, I won't go into it too much, but, you know, it's been a big year, a really big year for all, all sorts of reasons for Morris, and, and he goes into great detail on, on, about it all um, and just stoked that he's still here, like he had a major health scare. And, um, you know, it's just such a pillar of the community and... And, and and one of those people that just really cares about um, our environment, our future, where we're going. So I, you know, I just I feel honoured to have had him um, in the chair. So um, what else? Wild time still, wild time. Um, if you're in Melbourne listening to this, I, I just look, I just shout out to y'all. Um, because it's it's got to be tough. Uh, I really get it. Um, I feel very fortunate to be where I am, and I just I think about you guys all the time. And this is a shout out to people who are locked up in Melbourne. It's um, it's cray cray, and I say that because I was thinking about cray cray. Right? Remember when cray cray was a thing? Everyone was like, "It's cray cray, yeah, it's cray cray, it's cray, it's so cray." <laughs> fucking, it was a thing, right? Fucking cray cray. Anyway, um, and I know that cray cray was short for crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Um, but I don't think so. And this is like I remember at the time I was like really like um, the craze, the cray. The Crays were twin brothers in London in the 1950s and 60s. They were fucking standover men. They were twins. Now, their, their, their surname was Cray. K-R-A-Y. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Cray. Twins. Cray. Cray. And they were fucked up. They, 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 they ruled with an iron fist and fucked people up regularly. And, and, they, and they had the fear of God across London, I believe. 
Um, so that shit be cray cray. Now I reckon that's where cray cray comes from. I don't know, but it's it's not crazy crazy because the crays were crazy crazy, but they were cray cray. Anyway, you know where I'm going. You feeling me? Um, okay, got that one off my chest. Um, I'm gonna just throw it into the conversation with Morris now. Uh, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. And I hope you enjoy my chat with Morris Cole. You think Thanks. This is, is See you on the other side. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. So, so basically what happened then was, then the pandemic hit. So I'm suffering from all these side effects of the hormones and the pandemic hits. And then I realised that I just couldn't take, I'm not taking the hormones anymore. And if I don't take the hormones and the, and the, the hormones don't, don't knock it back, well, you know, I'm in a world of trouble. You know? And I just figured I'd rather live a good six months than an average six years or ten years or something. So I took the decision, took the decision to just... Okay, well, I'm not doing hormones anymore. And then uh, all of a sudden... <laughs> was that, did that, that that was a heavy decision? No, because I've made it before. Because twice before I've been given two to three years to live if I don't do chemo, if I don't do this. But I made the decision that I'm not doing chemo, I'll look for an alternative treatment, which I went to war and I was really up. People were really worried because I lost so much weight. So that really worked for, you know, five, eight years. And then I got cancer back again. It was actually over Bell's because I was so stressed out of Bell's. And then the tumour came back. So we did the radiotherapy and uh, took the hormones. And, and you know, it was, it was quite a, a heavy experience. The amount of times I shit myself in public every day was just phenomenal it was getting up to four or five times a day I couldn't leave the house I had all these side effects from the radiotherapy you know because I'm on the hormones trying to reduce it you know it was a really radical a radical tumor that came back came back in the same spot isn't that fucking hell yeah. anyhow so so that's all right so I sort of get through that then I get it back because I've stressed out over my divorce stress and anger bring it on here I go again. So had a wonderful trip overseas, went and saw my family again over a very depressive period from May until October. Went out there and just visited my global family again, went to Hawaii, stayed with the Arakawas. I see all my friends that I've known for 30, 40 years. It's nearly 50 now in Hawaii. So that's just a beautiful thing. And then I go to California and I met some people there from Hollywood and Malibu, who are going to do a book and a, a possibly a film, and but probably a series on my life. So that was really interesting meeting all those people. Then I fly to France. Did you go down back down south? Because I've seen you at Trestles before, remember? I, and no, you've got I, family down there. Oh, that's my family down there. I've got my family with Carlitos and the Kramers and Timmy Patterson's. Just you know, I mean him and I. We've spent a lot of time over the years because we, we help a lot of people and a lot of the times it's to our own, no, people don't realise how hard we're travelling 
we have this thing in common. Timmy helps more people than anybody I've ever seen. They're all drug addicts and everything, and he's on the, you know, he's on the Alcoholics Anonymous, Narco Anonymous, all that stuff. But we find ourselves every now and then, you know, that might be a bit weird, but we, we're hugging in the middle of the factory, both crying for each other. And, uh, t- t- you know, Timmy's so special. He's, he's got ADD, he's got all this shit wrong with him. He's got... But when you... we are, Actually, he told me that, you know, he just stood back from me one day, just sort of in tears, and he just said, you know what? I fucking dare anyone to walk in our shoes for 24 hours. You want to fucking see what life looks like from through our eyes? And we just started laughing, you know. And, you know, I love the guy to death. It's just, that's what's been fantastic about California. Finding the people, you know. Yeah, we yeah. live in a beautiful place, but there's just magic people everywhere, yeah, you yeah. know. So I really enjoy it. So next I'm off to France, land in France for a month. How good's France? Second home. And shapes. hold on, you, I saw you post, you got good waves there too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw oh, you post some ways. Yeah. I know, and a lot of the places I don't film or do anything because you know there's the locals involved, and because I hunt, I hunt for twenty to thirty kilometers. I know, I know it. When I go to France, I'll know every bank, north. It's probably up to thirty kilometers. I know where everyone works on every. It's just part of the DNA. So we always find a perfect secret bank. Because you lived there for a long time. Well, I lived there for 15 years. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of the pioneers there. big place in your heart. A big place. Kids born there, you know. It's a second second heart, you know, like a lot of my places. The people I work with have been friends for 30 plus years. You know, my best friend, Francois, I think it's 1980. One of the owners of Rip Curl. So there's just this, France was just like, yeah, because they accepted me. Eccentric lunatic with a little bit of grunt behind him. They didn't like the last bit of that, but they accepted the all the other, you know, like, oh, he's an artist. And I go, no, I'm not an artist. A fucking artist is, for me, is a piece of bullshit. It means you can charge more and deliver late. <laughs> and did I, 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 when I was in... What no, Brits. No, Hosegal. I don't know. I met Pagey on the beach. Was he yeah. there when you were there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Pagey came after. I've done a lot of surfing with Pagey and you know, hung out a lot with Pagey. A bit of music. Yeah. He had some yeah. great stories. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've all got great stories <laughs> from that era. One of the great things that we've got coming up is Ross Clark Jones and I. Yeah. Because Ross hasn't got any sponsors anymore. He's still hurting from Survivor. He still can't surf. What? What do you mean? What, oh, he broke his something. Yeah, he destroyed his ankle, ligaments, everything like that. And he still, nearly 18 months later, he had his first surf the other day. Damo went over there with Lauren. And they just hung out for the weekend over at his place on Phillip Island. And he got up for the first time on this nine-foot red dingo I made him. And anyhow. So he's really struggling. But, but he's, Oh, I bet. Yeah, you know, and we've both got this thing now where we've just realised maybe we should do story time and tell you the real story. (laughs) Fuck yes. And fucking what life was like for us because no journalists, no photographers were allowed in our sanctum. 
and like we partied so fucking hard you know do you, we, do you like, remember can I say this I remember partying with you one night and Ross was there too and you had some Hummer and you'd parked it in the bush out the back near um, oh, yeah the Red Bull Hummer just off, yeah, off just off the highway there. You put yeah, park in the bush. Yeah, we were into raving and the Red Bull, the whole thing, because you know Ross, I think, was the first person to get sponsored by Red Bull, and um, so we had access to just all the Red Bull stuff. So we got shut down at one o'clock in this hall. Yeah, yeah, I was there that night. Yeah, yeah right. so yeah. that was my coming back to Torquay, and, and we threw this big, big party, you know. Which was just basically a mad rave, if you remember. Was that the Belbray Hall? Yeah, yeah. Belbray Hall. So the little side road that runs along the Ocean Road there, going back to Torquay. Yeah, yeah. We just pulled that out. We just stopped in the middle of the bush and flopped out the desks and kept dancing. Yeah. So um, I don't know so, how I ended up there, but I was there. Oh, we've got <laughs> we've got the stories, and basically it'll be like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and sometimes in the daytime we surfed. It was a fucking wild era, and a lot of the stories that we've got involved driving and just, yeah. Because Ross was Ross was in France a lot with you, wasn't he? Yeah, he was there a lot, but everyone came and stayed with me. I was like, I had, the, the, I mean, I, even the kids when the kids were young, Marine and Damo, we not rent them out, but they'd, they'd <laughs> help every all the people go shopping and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it really was like. You know, it was the centre of Hossegor because I lived just behind the beach. But, you know, we're going to tell some stories and um, it's going to be pretty wild. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so the, the, we're, we're coming up with a whole bunch of projects now because I think people should know the truth and there's going to be stuff that I say are going to blow people's minds on people and stuff and I've really got to... But it, it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. And the industry came along... And then all of a sudden the truth started getting twisted and changed to suit the brand and, you know. So I've got a whole whole story of that coming, you know. Well, it's yeah. interesting because I just got off the phone to a friend who was, whose brother is pretty crook and he was a bit of a wildcat back in the day and the set of circumstances that he lived through going to King's Cross at a very young age oh. and all this stuff just couldn't happen in today's society. No, no. It just doesn't happen. But Look, it's like, you know... M2 just died. Mike Thompson. We weren't great friends or anything, but we had a great respect for each other. And he um, he was one of the most creative, innovative people in the surf industry. You can't even... The shit that he did, the shit that he said, the shit that he lived, he was pedal to the metal his whole life. But some of the amazing shit he did, you know, and then, you know, I'd, I'd surf sunset with him every now and then, you know, and we had some we had some really good days. And just so I just thinking about it, it took me a day to realise, shit, he's the same age as me. I went down at 66 and I thought I'd go down this year, you know, but it's just, I guess when your time comes, you know, and... It was a little bit sad to see him in the last, but he had the same spark. I ran him at a trade show last, was it last year or the year before? And just the same person, a few wrinkles, raspy voice because of the cancer. Did he start Gotcha? Yeah, Gotcha, More Core Division, MCD. He started MCD oh, as he, well. If you go back and have a look at it, the guy was, yeah. 
I don't know. If, Fuck, they were the best boardies in the late oh, 90s. Yeah, but he oh, said if, if you don't surf, don't fucking start. Yeah. And if you already surf, surf forever. I mean, he did these incredible marketing campaigns and, you know, he had the, the booths on the trade shows in those days. It was sex, drugs and rock and roll, half the booth. It had product and the other half was behind the curtain. Awesome. Oh, yeah, it was fucking <laughs> wild partying. Like, it was just, yeah. So it was. It was a crazy era. But what it was, was, it was we were just pushing boundaries. Like, how far? Anybody said you can't do that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, I got stories about, oh, you can't get, you'll never get to, you'll never get from Hossagor to Mundaka in under an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask Todd Lee, 59 minutes. 59 minutes. Like all the, the all the shit that anything that was thrown at us. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, a bit bland or a bit, you know, the system was somehow involved. We just fucking smash it apart. You've got to do this thing with Ross. Oh, no. We, we're, it's coming. He's really agreed because he doesn't have to worry about sponsors anymore. Yeah. You know, so, so that's all coming, you know. So that's really interesting. But. I'll get back get back to the story a little bit of um, here. So anyway, you found out you were sick. Yeah. Now I'm having now I'm having uh, pretty bad side effects. Yeah. And then the pandemic kicks in, which was just another hole. When did you first see that? Did you were you watching it when it was in Wuhan, or did it take yeah. a yeah? Mate, I was on it immediately because I watched so much news. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love watching news. I love all around the planet. Yeah. Live, unscripted human drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just watch the news. <laughs> Every day I get up, I try not to now. The last week I've stopped it because I've had so much to do with what I'm doing now. But I'll get up and watch two hours. Oh, it's CNN, a lot. Yeah. Al Jazeera, Fox News. I only just got on to Al, Al Jazeera. It's a good one. Oh, Al Jazeera is one of the best in the world. Yeah. They're incredible. I, I love watching their stuff because it's really well balanced and they're not scared. Yeah, yeah. And they give you all really, really good information. Like in the early pandemic days, they were interviewing the nurses, the heads of the departments in America, like when it really started hitting, you know. So anyhow, so I was really aware of how dangerous this pandemic was and I watched it. You know, and I listened to all the doctors, and then I listened to the people who were going, "No, it's not going to be that bad." This is why you're in recovery. This is why now I'm. This is February. This is Mar January, February, March. Yeah, I'm on the. I'm on the. I'm on the uh, hormones, trying to get my business back together. Going, oh, I can't deal with this. I'm going through this mental thing. I don't want hormones anymore. I'll take Christmas. And I made that decision and Damo knew that I did it and uh, Maureen knew that I did it. And, um, yeah, so what happened was in this whole crazy time, all of a sudden I went out to piss one night and I was just out in the garden having a piss. And I went, oh, that hurt. Jeez, that hurt. It was like pissing razor blades anyhow. So that night I had a couple of... got up a couple of times and went, jeez, what's this? It's hurting. So... For probably a week to 10 days, I actually, it got to a point where I was having 50 pisses a day and night, pissing razor blades. Uh, what is this? Okay. 
So a long story short, because this is part of the miracle here, I went back and got tests in April and it was looking real, wasn't looking real good. PSA hadn't moved, the hormones had done nothing in three and a half months, yeah? So I was just going, ah, well, this is it. Yeah, this is it. Um, I'm getting ready. So in my mind, I'm preparing for the worst, you know, and I'm going, what do I do? Do Do I retire from surfing and shaping? spend time with my family, do I go and do stuff? So there's just this, yeah. it's just, just unbelievable thought process. And when you've got depression, any negative news, you actually spiral down and you're negative, negative. And I've got some, some mechanisms that I deal with it, but boy, it got pretty depressed for a while. So then it got that bad, pissing, that I, one night, it was a Sunday night, and I may, I think I had 27 pisses in like seven hours, seven or eight hours, and every one of them hurt. So I was just going back to sleep, waking up, walking outside, blah, 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 and I have a get back. And then I had my phone in the bed with me, and at one time there it was every nine minutes. So I remember a Monday morning just going, fuck this. And I had a friend get a hold of me from, that I make boards for in California, Dr. Gregory Eckel, and his best friend happens to be this raster man from Barbados. It just happened, I took him, we came down surfing six years ago. There's not many times you see a black raster man, so yeah, we got it, and I took him out and showed him a little bit, nothing, nothing going on, okay. So all of a sudden, I get this, uh, I get this uh, uh, email that Kirk, Dr. Kirk Austin, from, uh, and he, he's in Sydney. He works at the Royal Prince Albert, okay? Gets a hold of me, go, oh, I want some boards. And my friend at Gregory Eccles and, you know, anyhow. I said, oh, yeah, no, I'll get back to you, I'll get back to you. And then I think Mick and Mick Sowery and um, Damo had a, a chat to him and said, Pops, you've got to talk to this guy. This guy can help you. This guy can help you. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that put the board order in? Yeah, the guy that put the board order in, and then he just happened to mention, give me a call, you know, if you want to talk about cancer. Okay. So I called him on this Monday morning. I called him on the Monday morning and I went, fuck, mate, I'm fucked. Help me. And I've since found out what he does. He's the very best in the world. Is this the Rasta man? He's the Rasta man. Now you got to fucking... And so all of a sudden, he goes, oh, ah. And one of the things they said was they couldn't operate on me because the tumour is too close to my bowel and my bladder. So when I told him that, and they'd said that, he said, well, I'm going to get you tested. It's going to, you know, we're going to book you in, we're going to get you going, I'm going to get you tested, I'm going to look after you. And I said, oh, yeah. And sort of, the, and he goes, right, this is, we've got a problem here because if that's the tumour pushing on your bowel, if you see any flecks of blood, because then he said, get a jug, piss all night in it and have a look every time you piss. And if there's blood in it, it means you're hemorrhaging and you've got 30 minutes to get to emergency. And I'm sort of like, so that changed my life for 12 days. So I'm up all night every fucking 10 minutes 
trying to stare into this jug of piss and see if there's any flecks of blood in there. So imagine going to bed every night, no, going to blood it, bed every night, going, is this it? Because there's no one can come and get me. Yeah, I would yeah. have to drive myself to the Epworth and I'd make it under 30 minutes. Like Damo said, fuck, I'll come and get you, just call me. And we worked it out. He'd be delivering a, a, possibly a dead body, you know, if it was hemorrhaging. So I went through that for 12 days, did all the tests. And, you know, Damo just looked after me. And uh, then we got the test back. And he goes, Damo's sitting near me, he goes, the tumour's disappeared. I'm going, what? And there's been a lot of prayer from a lot of people around. I actually feel like I have a real direct connection to God because some of the shit that's happened to me this year, I'm that confused and I've lost my way. I look at the heavens and go out there and say a prayer and all of a sudden, in minutes, things come into my head, positive. Shit happens like you wouldn't believe. Anyhow, it's just like, what are the odds of being a raster man at Bell's that just happens to be the best friend of an American surgeon that I make boards for now, and he's one of the best, I think, ER surgeons in California. They both went to school together in California. Dr. Kirk went to Ireland. He stayed there. Then he'd come to Australia, and he's the world's fucking best in pelvic issues. So he has just taken the case and gone, bullshit, we can't operate. We can actually... Um, I've, got a, I've got a system, a process. We're going to go in and we're going to cut out all the whole area, we're going to take a bit of your bladder and a bit of your um, and a bit of your um, bowel. So you're going to need bags, you know, for the rest of your life. But he said, "I'm the, you know." He didn't say I'm the world's best, but we are the world's best at it. We've had people people fly from all around the world to go to the Royal Prince Albert in Sydney and do exactly what he's talking about. And I'm like, he's going. We can we could do it now before the tests were done, and I was clear. He was ready to operate and we were trying to get work out how to get to Sydney. Damo was going to drive me to Sydney so I could get this thing, if it was the tumour pushing on. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. So he explained the, the, uh, he explained the operation. It's a day operation. It's two to three days in ICU. It's three weeks in the hospital learning everything again. It's really erratic operation it's hundreds of thousands of dollars you know and I'm like yeah okay well there's hope you know there's hope and then I come home for three to four months and recover so long story short uh so far so good I'm pretty healthy and well so hold on it just disappeared on its own accord yeah after you stopped taking the hormone now the hormones you get an injection yeah so I got another injection in April. That was the last one I was going to have. Yeah, that was the last one. And I said, this is it. And he said, well, we'll see how this one goes. So I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of everything. Mate, I've nearly fucking died 18 or 19 times now. Oh, I've no I'm adding it up. I just keep... <laughs> Fucking dodging bullets and just go. There must be a bit more, a bit more to life. I just this can't be luck, anyhow. And I mean, when I t- I won't even talk about some of the things because, yeah, it was. You know. But don't you think like if if, if if as you know, it's also fleeting. It's also oh. fleeting, and 
you've lived one of the, the fullest and it's oh the way to go. I'm like, just getting started. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> look out. <laughs> because but in the end, I mean? no, in the end, I was going, well, what the fuck was this pissing shit? You know, what was I, what, what was wrong? Well, maybe that you was know your body they, No, you know what they found out? What? I had staff in my bowel and bladder. Staff? Staff. It's impossible. It doesn't happen in men. They're like looking at the sheets going, he's got staff. How the fuck did he get staff? How does Three that... weeks of antibiotics, they don't know. It's There's another miracle that they don't know about. The other miracle is for 18 years now I've had cancer and it's never spread. It's never spread into my... Ready for it? You waiting for this? Yeah, I'm fucking... Pelvic nodes. It hasn't spread to my pelvic nodes. And that's the miracle. When the doctor first told me in America, it hasn't spread to your pelvic nodes, like you're in deep shit. But yeah. And then I looked at him and I went, fuck, what a great name for a band. The pelvic nodes, mate. <laughs> Fucking think about it. How good is that for a name for a rock band? Let's go see the pelvic nodes. Well, we're under the pelvic nodes. And he sort of looked at me and went, you do realise this is pretty serious. You've got really, really serious cancer. And I said, yeah, but maybe I'll go out playing with the pelvic nodes. <laughs> but I always have had that attitude. And, you know, so I've gone through all the antibiotics and then, you know, then they've told me that because I've got a problem now. Um, I just sometimes I only get five seconds warning for a piss. Like if all of a sudden I jump up in a minute, I down think to I'll the right and right. Down yeah. to the right and yeah, right. Yeah, because right. yeah, otherwise you've got to change my nappy. Yeah. Not yet. Maybe no. that's coming. But down anyhow. Down so, to the right and right. <laughs> so I've still got a bit of a problem. You know, I've still got a problem. But, you know, what I've done is since I've, I've come back, literally, yeah. And, uh, like, all of a sudden I went for a surf about six weeks ago. Life was looking good. Life was wonderful. Strained an abductor muscle in my groin. First wave. Made a wave from low tide rink on all the way through. I'm in the, the worst physical shape I've ever been in. Got so fucking depressed. I went home and I just said, I'm hanging up the boards. I'm done. I'm cooked. I say a little prayer and all of a sudden... It's like a voice in your head. This is the way I talk about it. It's not exactly in these words. Go to deep Keezy, you dumb fuck. Oh, have you been going? Of course I have. Great. It came into me. I was that depressed and I went, why wouldn't I go to Keezer? I'll get a hold of Rich. I know Rich who runs the thing down there and Ross has done his thing. So I'm completely rebuilding my body again. I'm on the Keezer program, I reckon, for the rest of our life because I'm fucking going towing with Ross next year. Do you feel different already? I'm stronger, so much stronger, but I'm still really weak compared to most people. But it's a slow build. It's I can't even. It's just incredible. No, no. All, what I hear from it, it sounds amazing. Ah, oh, look, it's if you've got a problem, rather than just get the problem fixed, they do a whole rundown on your body and find out what's weak, what's strong. It's all computerized. I mean, it's just fucking brilliant. So you, you build your core strength up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So I got through that and I went, yep. And then the business is, you know, well, you know the surfboard business is really good. I've done a heap of design in the last six months. Did you do that doctor his boards? The doctor, they're coming. You know how many he ordered? How many? Twelve. Twelve? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I don't want a deal. 
I'm saying that he's going to listen to this. <laughs> I want to tell you full price, and I go, I can't fucking do that. I just, just, I can't do it. And he's going, oh, you know, I make a fair bit of money in that. I just want to, put, you know, I go, mate, I don't work like that. You know, you'll, you'll get wholesale or something like that. So we had an argument over, and I do that quite a bit. I want to give someone a low price. I don't know how many people that happens to when people are actually offering you yeah. full price. But, you know, what goes around comes around. It always feels better giving than taking, you know, and it's just been always a part of my DNA, just being able to give back, give, you know. I've been on the, the egotistical league of maniac, maniacs, the, the what do we used to call ourselves, the, the lords of the universe. And that's how it felt because we were pioneering big wave riding, fucking tow boards, surf breaks, you know, when I think about, you know, back going back into the, the late 60s, the surf breaks that were known, you know, it was Finding places that have never know. been surfed. Never, mate, I've done that my whole fucking life. I've just surfed places, you know, Nalu, I mean, just, you know, I mean, all sorts of places, you know, like France, like Gravier, you know, before I got there, no one, it was too radical. Was too 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 hollow, too fast, you know. So just the pioneering, it's the, you get over the ego pretty quick because the fucking ocean will fucking give you a backhand, a bitch slap like you won't believe. Oh yeah, I'm really good. If you've got that in your head when you're paddling out into six to eight, ten foot fucking big clean barrels, it's like it's like a type of pollution in your brain. You've got to be so switched on. You or know? even sometimes shitty surf makes you feel so shit because it's yeah. not giving you. Uh, sometimes it makes you good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've gone through the miracle. Yeah. I'm feeling really good. I'm going to rebuild my body. My mind feels really good. I'm really pulled stronger towards Christianity because I've been out there virtually yelling, show me a sign. Show me a sign. Two days later, you haven't got cancer. Oh, you've just got staph. Oh, we've got antibiotics. Oh, you've got the best guy in the world. Oh, and he said, because I don't have any money, you know, nothing, anyhow. He said, it's all fucking free. What? It's free. He'll, they'll do the whole treatment and all the stuff for nothing. I mean, so this I, shit. I was just tripping because you said that about when you talk to the universe, and I accidentally about fifteen years ago rang my friend of my mum's, thinking I was—I thought I was ringing my grandma. I accidentally rang this friend of my mum's. It was a really spiritual lady, and I didn't really know anything about spirituality or anything. Yep. Yep. And I—I I I rang the wrong number, and she's like, "Oh, Johnny, what do you want?" And I was like, "Oh, nothing. I, I meant to ring someone else." And she's like, "Oh, hold on," and asked me. And then anyway, I got in this deep conversation, and she started saying to me. You should be talking as if the universe is listening. Yeah. And I was like, what? And she's like, the universe is, is bigger than what you think. There's this earth and your little problems here. If you think out into the universe and as if it's wanting to help you and you talk to it, it's going to be amazing what will happen for you. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? How fucking weird does that sound? But I've gone a step further beyond the universe. It's God. Right. I've studied Jesus inside out, like every fucking possible angle. This can't be true. And um, I challenge anybody who's a sceptic. 
on how the facts are portrayed on Jesus to watch a thing called a movie called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And it's about a guy who was an atheist and he his wife sort of went, I'm not going to spoil it, went became sort of a Christian because their daughter nearly died. I'm giving a bit away. And he was one of the best investigative journalists in America at that time. So can I just say, Christianity is like um, basically the Holy Bible? Is that It's, what, it's, it's the, the Gospels. It's the, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Testament. Yeah. And the Gospels were written by the disciples, okay? If you're a Catholic, are you a Christian? What's the difference? Yeah, well, you follow Jesus. It's a slightly different thing because I struggle with, and the people that I that I communicate and live my Christianity with, we see the churches as a middleman to God. And you've got to pray, you've got to do this, you've got to pay this, you've got to do this. It's just when you actually go and have a look at the, the scriptures, with how they were written, okay, and who they were written by, yeah, and then you go, was Jesus alive? Really? And there's, it's just one of the most proved facts. How did a guy come onto the planet in three years and ha- had the biggest effect of anybody in the history of mankind? Now, he was only out there for three years. He, didn't, he, he was preaching love, everyone's equal, fuck the banks, you know, like all the, all the money, you know, like the meek will inherit the earth and a rich man won't, you know, anyhow. So... But don't all religions have Jesus as part of their story? No. 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 Jesus is a really different one because basically it comes down to whether you believe in the resurrection or not. Because Jesus was crucified and he predicted it. The prophecies all came true. He predicted his own death. He predicted his torture. <coughs> but he was, he, was fu- he was fucking tortured like probably no man ever has. He was whipped. He was driven, like walked through the streets. Crown of thorns. Crown of thorns, all of that, yep. And then basically uh, he said, I will rise after three days. My father, my father, God... God, son of God, Jesus, my father will raise me from the dead. So after three days, he rose from the dead. There was over 500 witnesses that have all written down. So this book or book or film, A Case for Christ from Lee Strobel, it'll blow your fucking mind because the truth, it's one of the most documented parts of history. Like we all believe in Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. But his story wasn't written till 300 years after. We're talking about people who are writing, disciples who are writing the Gospels. And what's it all about? Peace, love and happiness. Yet when, and when you drop the name Jesus, people go, oh, God, bother, a Bible basher. There's this negative connotation. And it's just so simple. Do you want to hear something funny? Yes. I was baptised twice. <laughs> Do you want to know why? No, tell me. Tell my grandparents on both sides were very Catholic and my parents were a bit renegade-ish and they were so worried that they didn't... My grandfather was so worried that he thought my parents weren't going to baptise me that he got a priest to come round and he baptised me in secrecy in the backyard and then mum and dad did it. <laughs> Publicly. Double. <laughs> so double. Oh, well, you're a candidate, but a lot of, a lot of the... A lot of the problems when you go into to Christianity is 
is because there's a lot of bad Christians. Well, there were sinners, you know. It's like secular humanists will go, I believe in the inherent goodness of man. Whereas God and Jesus say, you sinners. You sinners, right? But mm. we forgive you. Di- Jesus died to save you. I mean, this, this it's pretty amazing that a guy got tortured to death because he wanted to save us, because they love us that much. It's all about love. I mean, there's a bit in the Lee Strobel movie where he's, he's talking to all these just mind-boggling academics. He travels all around the world finding the best people. He, t- you know, he asks every question that you could possibly think of to say, no, it's not true. And all he does is end up, he just, he just ends up like there's 3,000 original documents, uh, original written in Greek, 3,000. There's 3,000 books of the gospel in original Greek. Like, there's so much fucking proof that it just happened and it's real. It's like, you know what? If you don't educate yourself and people go, I'm an atheist, you know, you go, well, what don't you like about the Bible or Jesus or God? They go, well, I don't really know much. And I said, so you don't want to believe in that, even though you know nothing about it and you're prepared to criticise it. It's like anything, you know, educate yourself on any, any subject. Oh, yeah. That's what the problem is with Donald Trump at the moment. Infinite universe, there's infinite possibility, everything's possible. Imagine if there's an entity out there, which I believe, that created the universe and more. Well, I like to think of it like Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. No, come on, hold on. It's entertaining. Hold on. No, I'll go deeper than that. But the force, you know, that there's a good and dark force within the universe that we can tap into either called God and the Devil. Right. Uh, Labelled, yeah. 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 The Devil's a Fallen Angel. There's a whole... So I'm not going to go into it yeah, now. Okay. <laughs> we'll be here for fucking weeks. <laughs> but what it is, is people just have to open up and have a look because one of the things that I've noticed in my life now, I really struggle in the secular world. Everyone's when you got say a, secular, what do you mean by that? Well, there's no religion, there's no God, there's anything. And man has come up with this incredible society where um, God doesn't exist anymore. So a secular society is... that Where we, the man we, is God itself. Where the man, yeah, man is all important and knows all, you know. And that's why we're but in we so don't. much fucking shit now. We don't, we know that. Of course we don't. We don't. Well, Donald Trump's the most uneducated person on the planet. Unless <laughs> it's about Donald Trump. Yeah. But it's the people that follow blindly, you know. I think Hillary called them the deplorables. I just call them a, a nicer version, the gullibles. They just fucking believe him, you know, whatever he said. So he's sort of like a cult. But if you educate yourself on any of the problems that are going on in the US right now, I mean, it's just mind-boggling to see that, nah, no pandemic, we don't really, I'm not having a pandemic, oh, no, don't need masks, all this stuff. Well, so it's illogical. You know, we were talking before about bureaucracy. I've got, I've got a friend that works as in the accounting part of government at the moment, and she says to me the other day that the government gives information to the public knowing that 80% will just believe it and 20% will kick back. Yeah. That's right. I'm like, that's what we're living in. Yeah. We're under God's law. You can't tell a lie. 
when you tell a lie and you hang it, you know what you've done, you know? And if you go out and propagate that, well, it's just... What about karma? It, yeah, karma's just... You just keep getting good things. If you just do good things... No, no, good... but for these people who go out and bullshit... Oh. Well, Trump getting coronas. No, kind of to me, it's really easy. It's black and white. It's just the enemy. It's the devil. And there's the good guys on this side, you know. And it's just he's a very cunning, the devil, you know. I mean, I've, I've I've done so much research on this, trying to virtually disprove. And then you just like Lee Strobel gets to a bit and go gets to the end and goes, fuck. I surrender. Is this a documentary or? Yeah, a... oh, it's a, it's sort of a Hollywood film. When was it made? Uh, quite a few years ago. It's on Netflix. It's not the one where the guy goes and talks to the lepers and stuff. No. There's one where I don't know what. No, anyhow. Yeah, so look, yeah. and which sort of brings me going. Okay, so I'm sorting that shit out, and I've got my. I've got my, got my business going again. You know, I had some friends come in and start to manage it. And then, of course, we've got the fight for Bells Beach. Huh. The fucking fight for fucking Bells Beach. Here we go again. Because, as you know, I'm not sure, but you can go onto my Facebook and find out. We're putting the historic up. In 2010, there was 50 to 60 buses a day coming to Bells, pissing and shitting in the toilets. There was queues out the toilets. We've got it all. We've got it all on video. It's all coming. This is all coming. For two years, we fought these people. The people were the Surf Coast Shire and the Surf Coast Shire officers. For two years, we fought them to try and get rid of the buses. But what happened just after it all started, we were all in the hammerhead one day and the wind must have been north, northwest. We all got a whiff of this, what the fuck's that? what's wrong with the toilets? <coughs> so I went up and had a look behind the toilets. And the septic tanks, there's a black ooze coming out of the septic tanks and it's going down into the fucking creek at Bells. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've recorded all this. There were people shitting the, the whole, the, the median strip at Winky was full of shit. It was the Winky toilet. It was just toilet paper. It's all recorded because I actually fucking went in there and cleaned it myself. But so I started becoming the human headline then going, hang on, we've got, we've got, everything's breaking down and you're just trying to push buses in there. So, you know, 50 coaches and buses a day, you know, that's, that's, that's close to a thousand people a day minimum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Using this toilet that eventually... When we got the uh, the soil test done, I went into I did I went into Geelong, and the scientists looked at me and said it's off the charts in E. coli. Oh, I remember Darcy Day was telling me this stuff. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I just said, well, what does that mean? And he looked at me and went meningitis. <laughs> and I had a thing with Damo when he was about one year old. The doctor he got a fever one day and he looked at me and he said meningita, and I went meningitis. Fucked in the car. I think I got to buy on hospital in about eight minutes. Or it could have been three minutes. I've never driven that fast in my life. <coughs> so I knew all about that. So I'm going, oh, yeah. So they finally came and emptied the septic tank. And the guy driving the truck was the manager. They hadn't fucking emptied the septic tank in ten years. <laughs> hadn't been serviced. Yeah? 
So what, what happened was all the buses kept coming, but we already called the bus companies up and said, well, look, if we charge you money to get in, are you coming? And they went, no way. No, we're not coming. We're not paying a dollar anyhow. So there's just every company, they were just using it as a toilet stop. A nice place to say our Bells Beach, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So we nearly lost it because they wanted to build a 10-cubicle toilet at Winky Pop. They wanted five where Donnie parks, mm. you know, in that corner there. That was Up gonna, the top? Yeah, right in the corner there. Five coach bays with oh, a look. fuck off. Ten minibuses, tourist hub, toilets. Then they come to us. The good news is, guys, you're going to have somewhere to change. And it's like, you know what? You don't even fucking know who we are or what we are. We don't give a fuck if it's pouring rain. We'll turn up in our wetsuit so we get changed in the rain. We're not going to have this shit. So the fight went on for two years. And eventually it went to council and it looked like we were done. I got cancer back for the second time. I was that stressed and working that hard. If you ask the, my family, they, we, they came around. They were begging me just to stop because they could see the stress I was under. And I just recovered from cancer. Sound familiar? Anyhow, so I did get cancer back again from all that stress and that. And, um, but we beat them. And, you know, the only we didn't really beat them. Uh, I think it was Mayor McKittrick. Andrew Cherubin tells the story. Andrew's, you know, head of the GTA and the 328 engineer, one of those magic volunteers. And he tells the story where the mayor comes in, sits down, it's all bells, they're going to develop it, I mean, for buses. And finally, the day before the council meeting, the CFO, he asked the CFO, CFO to call all the bus companies. Yep, so they've prepared for all the buses. We're going to put in town sewerage, town water, blah. We're going to have this, we're going to have that. And we've got to the stage where it's going to come fucking down to fucking, you know, picket lines and destroying equipment. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Like, I think I made a mistake there saying over my dead body and they found that threatening. And anyhow, <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> well, anyhow, it was sort of... But, like, they, but anyhow, so... What happens is that Councillor McKittrick asks, asks the CFO, how did you go to the buses yesterday? And he looks and goes, not one of the bus companies wants to come. And that's what saved Bells that time. They could have fucking asked that question two years before. Yeah. So fast forward 10 years. But Plus, hold on, hold on. I thought Bells was a sanctuary. That no, no protection. Natural. No protection. No. Just in name, it's a surf reserve. We've been fighting against these bastards for so long. Now I'm having something to eat. Sorry about that. It's great. No, it's but, all good. And a sip of red. Okay. So the fight that we've put in is you don't realise that we spend hours and hours weeks and years digging in and we fight them and we go against it's like running against a brick wall and hit headbutt oh fuck that hurt and we've been doing that for 10 20 years now so it's time to change change the tact and what it's sort of a it's a godsend in a way is because the WSL it looks like made a request that 
a viewing platform be built at Winky so they could use it during the competition. And we boiled it all out. We know where it came from. We know how it happened, blah, 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 blah. But the Surf Coast Shire just went, oh, we're going to give it back to the, the government, back to this new Gorsack, the Great Ocean Road sackers, anyhow. <laughs> but they've created a three-man panel now and they're doing a 60-day panel and we've got to go to the panels and we've, we've got to put our submissions forward to try and beat this thing. Still? Oh, you know, it's, that only happened a month ago. Three weeks ago, I sat there with Darren Noyes-Brown, Graham Stockton was... And Is there was nine... still wait, wait for it. Right. Nine fucking government agencies, the tourist agencies, the WSL, Visit Victoria... Surf Coast, I can't remember, tourism. Like, I just looked at all these people and I went, for fuck's sake, we've really got to fight you over this fucking viewing platform because the WSL wants it. Eh? Surf Coast Shire have done some deal with what we're trying to find out now. It looks like there's been a pretty... We're not sure. Is it a shonky deal or not? It certainly is not good for our community. But no surfer that I know wants any change. We love nature. No, we've we done want, that, mate. We want we've, to get change we've, on we've rocks. S- we've sat for fucking months on end in task force meetings and that, and they try and skew it all towards development. Fuck them. And we just, go, we just go, you know what? No, no. I just, you know, I just ended up... I ended up at this panel. Everyone's given these like we have, went over a week, so it's a. It, it's I'll get to the it, the cost that we've spent so far. We won't. I don't think get any change out of six fucking hundred thousand dollars. It's been spent. We think there was more than a million spent on the first buck thing. So the the time and energy. But you're sitting there, and I'm looking at all these government agency, and here I am again. With Darren, with the same old fucking people, and what are we up against? All these fucking paid bureaucrats. They're all getting paid. The longer they hang around... What do they give a fuck about Winky? Well, it's because the WSL wanted a viewing platform. But there's some other bullshit's gone on behind the scene too, but somehow the WSL got a hold of a licence for Bells. They own it now for the next five years. We've still got our freedom of information coming... It doesn't look good. But so I had to get up there. Hold on. The WSL owns it for the Easter months or the whole time? 51 days at Easter. The WSL have been granted. Have been granted. Hey, if you want me to go backwards, 2018, Pipe Masters. The WSL invited our CEO, Keith Bailey, and David Bell. So they went over there, they had their council badges on. This is all on Facebook. This is all coming out tomorrow on my Facebook page, okay? And you'll see a timeline that you just go, hang on, what the fuck's going on here? But we're waiting on the last FOI documents because they, they, they've pushed us back 60 days, 90 days. I mean, they work against us. And that's what we've found. You ready for this? Yeah. WSL had a meeting, in, we think, in 2017 with Surf Coast Shire. Yep. Mm. The grant was given, $182,000 grant was given for the Winky Pop platform in January 2018. 
in June and July of 2018, they started to do a survey and a process to get the community on side to agree with the decision that's already been fucking made. The decision's been made. The grant has been given in January. Then they start the process and surveys and fucking all this bullshit that they've come up with, mm. yeah, mm. for a year. Now, all of a sudden, we started running a campaign against it. Like Darren and I went down there one day and got a photo of the, of the plants and we went, fuck, it stands 2 metres 60 high. Two metres 60 high, when you come up the stairs at, at Winky, you're going to go up this big, keep going up the stairs to this really high platform. It's a viewing platform. You won't be able to see off the helipad. <laughs> hey? you there might be see... people there. No, we jokingly say that we Chinese tourists being blind will be able to catch them down in the fucking uppers. <laughs> but, so what it did was, okay, so he, 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 it gets interesting. So I was sitting there. And I've been thinking about this for a long time because of what Damo did, you know, the incredible job he did in the state and federal election. I think it runs in the blood. And I just, all of a sudden, I turned to Darren. And at the end of this, this where I realised what we're up against, I just looked at him and he said, I'm fucking running for council. I've had enough of this shit. We cannot trust our council officers. We cannot trust our council. They will not fucking talk to us. They never talk to us. The only time... We get to talk at them when we've got a fucking campaign running and then we beat them down that much that we get what we want. But the fucking time and money and effort that we've got to put in, so I decided then and there, I'm going for council. I'm going to go out there and see if there's enough independent candidates to break the back of our politicised council, right, which is a Labor council. And what we've found out is the developers lobby Spring Creek, you know, like mm -hmm. head office, mm -hmm. send them down to our council offices, you know, and they're just part of the system, you know. Then the then they help the developers work through the local system. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to council and it gets okay because there's always a recommend, recommendation to council from the council offices. So I've started looking at it and going, I've had, like had some big talks with people and I'm going, you know what? No one trusts the council officers or the councillors anymore. The, our council is dysfunctional because of all the... Everyone's just fighting each other on council. Is it true? Who's the head? No, I don't even have to say a name, but I heard it was like a year and a half, two years ago, that the head wouldn't talk to anyone without his personal secretary being there because of like... Yeah, no, that's because Dave Bell got... Um, well, that's Dave Bell when he was mayor, when he was mayor okay? Yeah. Dave Bell, just so you know ran the Red Rally against Spring Creek. He was against Spring Creek. He ran the Red Rally with Rod Ford. I think Rod still hasn't forgiven himself or, or David because David then wouldn't talk to anyone. I gave him my preference. Yeah, I gave him my preferences to get him into power, but he would have got in on the Red Rally. Now he supports the development of Spring Creek. Now he supports the development of Bells Beach. He's been a facilitator and he's turned against the community. And I'm saying this knowing that it's going to get back to him. And part of me just went, you know what? All these people that get into power, then power and money corrupts absolutely. We know that old saying, yeah? And the difference with me is... 
is that I don't really have much interest in money. The power is interesting from a from a unscripted sort of human drama point of view. You know, power watching and watching Trump fuck fuck up power. You know, and then you see people that just can't handle it goes to their head. So what I've done is, over the last month, I've canvassed all these incredible candidates. You know, I don't want to... I, that they're in Anglesey, they're in Winchelsea. The whole game here, mate, is to fucking win council and take five seats and six seats on behalf of the community. I think we've nearly got them. I think we're pretty sure of five, five seats, probably six which means we will get a new CEO, clean out our council offices, a like-minded CEO that's going to be so important. We need an impact study. 100%. Because we have no fucking idea mm. of what, what's coming. All I can tell you is we've got... Well, you pop- may have been to Orange County, and that Orange County, we know that's well, what it looks like is going to happen. Think about this for a moment. We have got... Track housing. At Easter time, there's 30,000 people in Torquay. Yeah. We're going to have a population of 40,000 plus without Spring Creek, just Torquay. We've got 65,000 people minimum up the road coming down from Armstrong Creek because they've all been sold sea change. I had a conversation a few years ago with Mark Casey because I've known him as a kid. And he just said, I'm, I'm divesting of all, all my, um, of all my investments in the Surf Coast Shire because they won't talk to me. Because I'm telling them, if you fucking think that 65,000 residents are going to take their dog for a walk and have a coffee on Geelong Beach, you're kidding yourself. We're selling it as sea change. We're selling it as sea change. Now, in 1983, the Labor government um, put a tag on Torquay as regional development and then there was to be a satellite city called Armstrong Creek. And the thinking behind it was is because... Back Cor- in how long ago was 1983. that? 1983. No, I'm telling This is what we're up against. When you start digging back, the thing is I'm old enough to remember it all. You know what I mean? It's like when they said, oh, the, 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 the track at Winky Pop's broken. It's cracked. And I look at it and I'm going back and I remember when I had to go up the goat track. It was a goat track. There was nothing. And we'd get to the car park up the top. Well, if the, you look, if you're at the button and you look back up, that those stairs are still there. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at what we've got now is, and when you come up, up the stairs at Winky, and then you walk along that next sixty metre bit, mm. there's two cracks at the start that have worn out. It's been there for forty five years. It's a fucking engineering miracle, mate. It should be heritage listed. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever done. So, you know, when you look at them building this big fucking steel uh, viewing platform, do you know how how long it's going to last for? I don't want to know. There's 20 fucking years. That's it. We've got a track that's not broken and it's been there for 45. I reckon it's good for another 40 years. But things are nice, old. They're worn in. They're warm. People have walked over it. It's got humanity touched all over it. Yeah. Sterile new fucking things. Anyhow, so... So I've been doing all this political work, which is driving me mad. You know, like I don't have a candidate photo. Don't have a candidate. Hold on, why don't you have a candidate photo? And I don't have a a statement on the ballot because I was 47 seconds late. And I battled and I fought 
try. I went down to the, the VEC. I was the last candidate. Like I was, I wanted to be last candidate just so I could have a look at everyone else because I am a, a little bit of a, a strategic politician. And I understand how it all works and I understand quite a lot about politics anyhow. Especially so after I, shadowing Damo. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, but I've been on this for creating yeah, Surfrider in Europe. I went up against the Secret Service there. I got fucking did stuff with Greenpeace. I mean, I've literally been a, a shit stir and an agitator since I was three and a half, apparently. I used to jump over the fence and let the chooks out and go and knock I on people's doors. Get in. And, hey? I hope you get oh, look, in. I hope we get five or six seats because there's a bit of a downside to this. And the downside is that I've only recovered from cancer 11 weeks ago when I got the news, yeah? And um, this is very, very stressful. And I'm already seeing a pretty big downturn in my health from the stress. So I'm not sure how long I'm going to last at this, but I've got the backup plan is, like, I should be just de-stressed, living my life, shaping a few boards, working on my body, surfing doing all of it, just just living my life. So retirement, it's called. Oh, shit, I'm 66 heading on. I think I could be... No, that's the age of my body's 93. And then the doctors say, we've got a problem with your spirit because you're like a fucking 16-year-old and we need to get a bit more balance. <laughs> Can I just pause one second? When I watched that uh, Zoom meeting the other night, you came across great, and oh, there was some young guy there that was all smart and schmick, and they asked the question, name two nature corridors into... Wildlife corridors. Wildlife corridors coming into Torquay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, he said, I'm not sure what that term is. I've never heard that I've phrase before. I've never heard of a wildlife corridor. Is that, did I hear that wrong, or is that what no, he said? No, you heard it exactly right. We yeah. all sat back and went, okay. You've never heard of a wild, wildlife corridor. I don't know, mate. Was that him just... Was that a fuck you? It no. seemed like a fuck you. No, it's And not, he was mate. like, I'm just about development. I don't understand a corridor. No, bulldozing. he's about governance and that. And, you know, I mean, that. I think... Uh, there's just so much shit that goes around. You know, they want five stories everywhere. They could. They really reckon we should develop bells and don't know what you surfers are whinging about, you know. And I gave a, an impassioned plea to the to the panel... Everyone, I had to finally go on for the community and I actually went, okay, everyone's just so slick and boring and there's a yorta yorta that man there, Ian Ham. Nick, Nick, who runs, who's heading it up, he's a surfer. So they sort of know probably a little bit. And I just sat down, I had no notes, no nothing and I just sort of said, listen... Ian, you're a yorta yorta, sorry, Mr. Ham, you're a yorta yorta man, so you might understand what I'm about to try and do. I said, I'm uncle, I'm uncle out here at, at Bells. I've been in there, surfing there since the 60s, okay? And I just sort of said, what I want to do, uncle's going to tell you story time about who we are, what we are, and why Bells are so precious to us. So I actually got into a half-hour rave about, you know, like how I first came down here and blah, 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 and all the stuff that's gone. It's always been a, men, a men's, men's shed. We've always met there. It's a place of well-being. It's foundation of our surfing culture. And I looked and I said, look, it's only a 60-year culture. 
But it's all we've got in these times right now to be part of a community that respects and trusts us to look after bells. Because, you know, I'm so, that, the funny thing was I said before, you know, over my dead body, mm-hmm. and the person I said it to was quite threatened by it, and I said, no, I was actually talking about when you build your elevated platform or viewing platform, just fucking bury me under there. Can you finish it by Christmas? That really is shutting back, but anyhow. So I gave this impassioned plea, and then all of a sudden it came into my head it's like our Uluru, but I wouldn't say it because it's in a public panel with a black fellow there, yeah? But in a certain sense, um, it's so special to us. Anyone who wants... To, there's, there's us, the recreational surface, and the developers. I like things in black and white. Mm. I don't care if you think you're this or that or that. If you belong to a, a government organisation that's pushing this... This, this agenda. fucking agenda, this development agenda on behalf of the WSL. I mean, there's even a rumour running around that, you know, went round about a year ago that the WSL said, build us the viewing platform or we'll pull the comp. Pull it. Pull it. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, yeah, no, it's like Margaret, you know, a couple of years ago, the WSL in all their wisdom, decided they should only have two contests in Australia. And they got Margaret River, who'd already spent between 2 and $3 million putting infrastructure so they could put the contest up quick and pull it down, OK? And all of a sudden, everyone's going, oh, Margaret River won't make it. So the government just came in and fucking said, we'll sponsor it every year, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of everything, Yeah. And a similar thing's been done at Bells. Who's ever fucking negotiating with this WSL? They fucking should put me there. Because one of the things that really, really shits me on this, on this, on this current debate on, the, uh, on the, the viewing platform is a lot of people don't know that the WSL gets all the gate money. Yep. Rumours $150,000, $180,000 a year. Is it the only comp in the world that you've got to pay to go yes, into? Yes, there's yeah. no comp that's ever charged money to go in. It's the only comp in the world that charges money to get, to get in, and we give it to the WSL. For fuck's sake, we get, you get that amount of money off us, you get half a million dollars off our state government, you get all, all our sponsors, you get all of that, and you haven't got enough fucking money in a $4 million budget to put up a $5,000 temporary viewing platform. And, you, and you're negotiating, going, oh, threatening to pull the comp. Mate, it's in their interest. It's fucking Bells Beach. They've got more support here, the history here, you know, and it, it sort of just doesn't make sense unless you believe and know or know and believe that the bloke who owns the WSL is a billionaire. I've heard that, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dirk Ziff. He's a billionaire and he's got two brothers... I think they're worth, I don't know, you know, $5 billion or something like that. They're big players in, really big players in America. What, what, do they, what, what do they play in? Surfing's an off thing for no, him. Is it because his wife just is something they picked up. It was actually Dirk Siff's wife that was sort of retracted to surfing and the whole culture of, and, you know, then you had Paul Speaker who was going to make it bigger than the air. All this bullshit about surfing is going to be so big, so big. It's fucking tiny, mate. 
You know, like it's, it's just not going to turn it into an NFL or an NBA or a fucking footy or anything like that. There's a core core group of people, same old crew. That now it's family. I mean, get over yourselves, will you? You know, like fucking leave us alone. You know, come down, come and enjoy. You know, that's one of the beauties of Bells has always been for me. I look after Hawaiian friends. People come from France. People come from all over the world. There's an exchange of ideas. People go surfing together. Oh, yeah, there's a Connest too. You know what I mean? I mean, they just don't get it. You light, know, it's just fucking print. greed. It's you a know? light footprint we need to be leaving where oh, we go. Right? Look, it's like it takes 51 days. You know, I've spoke to Adam about this, you know, and this is what we can do on council. Uh, Robbo. There's a, yeah, there's yeah. a bloke called Simon Daly. Yeah, I know Simon, yeah. Yeah, so Simon Daly fucking created the Falls Festival. Yeah, right. So I speak to Simon, good friends with Simon. I just said to him one day, we were out surfing at Bells and putting it all up, and this was last year. And I said, fuck, Simon, if you had to rebuild the contest, how long could you, could you, could you put this up and down? Could you redo the whole contest? And he said, yeah, if we went modular, we could probably pull it up, pull it, put it up and put it down in 24 hours say 48 and he just goes well you know when we moved the when they had the bushfire alert and they had to move to Mount Dunedin yeah we moved the whole Falls Festival to Mount Dunedin and finished the cha- the sound checks 18 hours uh, let's bring some fucking professional in because all the stands and everything out there are owned by an ex yeah uh, no, I won't go there they're owned by someone so they, they get paid every year. They rent the stands back. Yeah. Oh, so it's a money-making jam on the stands being out longer yeah. than they should. Yeah, of course. It's a, fuck me. So we, we get, they get 20 days to put it up. No, 21 days to put it up and 18 to pull it down. I could have the numbers slightly out there, but there's a 51-day licence. That could be cut down to 15 days. You understand that? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. So do you understand that when you look at 51 days, what's that percentage of the year? 360, it's, I don't know, percentage-wise, but... 7 or 8% of all time for the year is used for for Bells, for Connors. You know? It's just like so many weekends, it's our prime time. We don't mind it. Well, this but year was fantastic. There was no fucking comp. There was no comp. We didn't mind that, but I couldn't surf anyhow. But so all this shit's going on, and that's what you know. The, one of the reasons I'm talking to you now because I will come back because I'll, I'll finish off a bit of the life story. I want to. Well, I we've got to... part two to do. This is not part two. This is um, this is Morris running for council. This is me running for council and just trying to get people to understand that. So many people fucking whinge about things. And I used to be one of them. And the easiest thing is, I use this on the forums a fair bit, if you're not part of the solution, you are the problem. And I see that as black and white. You're either for us or against us, you know? And and I've been trying, that's why I'm so proud of Damo, you know, he's jumped in. A lot of people don't know, but it took a fucking huge toll on him mentally and physically. Oh, yeah. You know, and people close to him, I mean, he drove. And I'm the same. I suffer, suffer from chronic depression. I've got rashes back now in the last week, which is the first sign of the cancer coming back. Would I change? No. 
you fucking kidding me? There's a fucking war out there to be won for the community. And part of the community is my family and my family friends and my grandkids and everybody that I love and respect in this town. You know, and um, it's a tough gig. Um, I don't shy away from it, but I can fucking tell you, <laughs> I was looking and thinking about it the other day. I get so tired, I'm unfit. I've got, you know, I have really uh, big ups and big downs. I still haven't got that balance yet, especially with what I'm doing now. But you know what? Fuck, what a great adventure. The great adventure is, is to, to, to be able to see a change to see a permanent change, a good change. You know, I had some... Everyone is so excited that you are doing this. Oh, fuck, mate. I'm, I'm so excited. People talking I'm not in sure the surf. I'll make it. <laughs> People are talking on social media, in the water, I all over even, the place. You know, I've pulled back a little bit because, you know, I've, you know, having been once upon a time a bit of a shaping and a surf star and you get all the pats and the backs and that, and, you know, I got to the top. I got to the top of the ladder when I was in Margaret River I was the highest paid shaper in the world. I had the fucking best deal in the world. I was making two to three million dollars a year. And it's the saddest I've ever been. Because I finally, I wanted to be at the top always. And you get there, it's so fucking empty. You know, and, and basically I had a breakdown. And just going, what am I doing all this for? I'm st- working at one o'clock in the morning. I'm finished at six at night. And lo- my life's gone to shit. But I'm really fucking famous and I'm really rich. Took me two years to get out of that. Took me two years to lose all the fucking money. <laughs> get rid of it. Oh, I'm, st- I'm still... Do you have a shot. cave? Huh? Do you have a cave? Oh, I had a cave. I had a nightclub that was... In a cave? Is that in right? In a cave, yeah. And on my property in Western Australia. There'll be people you know, out I was, there. I was in Margs in 95 and yeah. there was, I would hear the rumours and I was always like, what nah, the fuck? No, we shut it down. There was only Perth people, DJs. We had DJs come from Chicago, New York. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. We had, we had, we had an, an unbelievable fucking, yeah, anyhow, that was bringing the raid, but no one knew about it. I mean, you, even was that, one was night, that an engine up? Where was it? No, Is it no, near no, that? I was on the road to Mark's just on... after the golf course. Okay. Yeah. Everyone, there's, I still get people all over the world going, I got to go to one. And I went, oh, okay, good, <laughs> all right. You don't blame me for anything, you know. Oh. But that was another era, yeah. another story. And that's why when you look at my life, sure, there was... The kid coming from Warnable as a dark kid that didn't have a lot of confidence because I'd been treated a bit differently to most people, being brought up in Warnable in those days. If you ever want to see something about what my era was like, go and read fucking Robbie Muir's. Robbie Muir, the, the Aboriginal footballer who's probably, like they said, there was, there's was. there been no-one in AFL that was come close to him. Um, there's a story, there was a story done by the ABC, how he was treated, and he was called Mad Dog because he was a bit of a mad dog, but if people gave him racist shit, he'd knock them out, whereas most other people were. So there was a whole, there's a whole story of how I was brought up, and then I came to Torquay, the whole hippie era, bang, the surf industry took off, Rip Curl, and, you know, there was a really big industry I started Water Cool, but then I went in 1980 to the world titles and fell in love with France. 
I mean, it was just like a, it was just like, you know, falling low. And at that stage then, because I ended up in jail and did a few years in jail, you know, uh, which didn't really do me much good, you know. My mentor in jail is a guy called Stan Taylor. John Sylvester from The Age called him Australia's most psychotic killer, uh, criminal. So I was, I've been through this, this whole thing. And what it is, is it's, I look back on it and I'm, I'd do it all again. There's nothing I regret. It's, you know, part of who I am and what I am today. And uh, instead of leaving this Christmas, um, you know, I'm probably going to get a, a tumour back. But I've got a great fucking backup plan. I'm going to Sydney. It'll take another six months out of my life. But it'll, then I'll have my, I'll be able to piss and shit out. I want you. No, can... listen to me. We're listening to the universe, and you're talking to it. We're not getting the tumor back, and you're going to get into council. Oh, and we're going to fucking keep these motherfuckers honest. Yeah, no, we'll keep them honest, but because we will become that, we will we will have the integrity again, and we will have different council officers, and there'll be a whole new world. And what we're trying to do, or I'm trying to do, Have you is seen, create a template yeah. for every other fucking council in Australia. Nick Carroll and I talk all the time. And you can go back 20 or 30 years ago when the developers first saw sea change and they infiltrated the councils and, you know, we've got, we got tons of stories to come up. But when you look at the big picture, I go, fuck, if we can, if we can break the back of a politicised council and council yeah. officers, well... If we can all get in there as a group of like-minded people, we've got different opinions, but we'll talk to each other. We'll talk to the community. We won't do a fucking task force that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and work out what the community want about bells. We'll fucking we'll have a forum. We'll get the town hall and get five councillors and council officers up there and go, hey, what do you people think? Instead of having to, like, you know, the definition of insanity... He's doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. Have you seen the new David Attenborough documentary? Yeah, heaps. Like, we, if we don't change, we're fucking dead in the water. Yeah, yeah. And basically it's got to start now. Yeah, well, that's what we're trying. Otherwise, your grandkids... Yep, ah. You know, my brother... The kids now have got no fucking future and it starts now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Well, I, I'm no, scared. I had, I had at one of the bottom of the things that, that people didn't like it. Some of the crew didn't like it. I said, you know what? It all starts now with your vote, with your support, and become fucking part of the solution, and stop just letting others do it. Because some of us are getting real old now, and there's a real lack of young people that want to get involved in the issues. It's your future. If you're prepared to let us do all the work, well, you've got to accept what we do. And you can't whinge about, oh, they're fucked, they didn't do that. Well, what have you done about it? Are you doing anything about it or are you just whinging? You know, and that's, I've never done that, you know. I've always, if I see an issue or I see someone that's, any, any issue, you know, bullying, whatever, mm. I jump in. You know, and everyone knows it, you know, that I might have my moments where I might get a little, um, <clears throat> a little bit over the top, but it's coming from old school. Yeah, yeah. You know, old school, I was brought up, if you can't back it up, shut the fuck up. So if you're going to mouth off and you get smacked in the head, well, can you back it up? 
Now, that was the primary school I grew up in as yeah. well. Like, you know. Mate, old school rules, old school football, everything. You, you know, you got punched in the head, you got fucking taped to a pole. <laughs> Sorry, I just had this fucking vision. Go, what was it? Who was taped to a pole? <laughs> oh, oh, look. Yeah, Mickey's still alive. One of my best friends in Hawaii was Marvin Foster. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I don't and know, and I, know I can say it. You know, and Marvin was a bit of a dealer at the time. Everyone on the North Shore was. And this fucking young uh, Budro, not Noah, the, his brother, ripped off, like lived five doors down, went into their house and ripped off all this coke. Yeah? And... Um, so then, of course, this kid's got no fucking idea. He's gone out, sold 10 grams, got a bunch of cat party, and, and they ask, Who, who's, who's got a lot of money suddenly? So the next morning, um, he was duct taped to a post just in front of Sunset, a, a, an electricity pole, uh. and he was duct taped all the way, mouth and everything, with a sign around his neck, I am a thief. And they left him there all fucking day in the sun. <laughs> you know. Like, well, that is a just. Well, I, I you know, like it's. But it's, is it not because in today they someone to fucking shoot someone well, for they that? Shoot him. Yeah. Well, they didn't fucking. Yeah, they taught him know, a lesson. Like I think it was up till 1980 because I was there in all those years. I think there was 48 mi- missing bodies. 48 people went missing on the North Shore. It was the fucking Wild West, mate. Everyone had guns. I saw shotgun fights. I saw fucking knives pulled on people. But you wouldn't believe this when I first went there in 73. What I saw, I just went, first of all, how cool is this shit? There's a whole bunch of black fellas here. They fucking run this joint. And then one night I heard the gunshots. I was staying with Ian Cairns, Peter Townend, Wayne Dean and John Pawson. That's who we stayed on, on this house on the point. But the shit John Pawson. Huh? John Pawson? Yeah, John was one of my, was my best friend. Yeah. Still, yeah, one of the best guys, if not the best guy you'd ever come across in your oh, life. I heard Didn't he had a massive him. heart. Mate, his heart was just, yeah, you know, a bit like Pezza, you know. Anyhow, that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit of water under the bridge. It's hard to lose mates, you know. We know that, you know. So we try and look after each other. Well, that's what it used to be like, anyhow. Marvin, Marvin, what was Foster? Marvin? Marvin Foster. He was a really good surfer too, eh? <sighs> used to go left at Wymere. Did he break anybody. his leg? Did he huh? break his leg? And no, that was Titus. But Marvin, he was the first guy to do a pig dog at Backdoor. He's responsible. If you go back to the Performers 2, I think it was... We were watching him. He had a black rail board with a green spray. I can still see it now. I remember when we first saw it, because we were in France, and he's done a fucking pig dog in the barrel, and he's controlled it. And everyone was going, what the fuck is that? What was that? Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Anyhow. So Marvin was just this really special, you know, he liked, loved his guns, and he was the first guy in the American military. He tried the military for a while. He could get it, I think it was an M16, blindfold, take it apart, and put it together again in under two minutes. He did it. He was the first guy to hit a 159. So he was just, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Heart as big as, like, as Texas. People were terrified of fucking Marvin. But, you know, Ann and I went to 
went to Honolulu and had a big one one night. Fuck, mate, Marvin looked after the kids. You know, I, tr- I trust him with my family. You know, and Dane Kaloa and all, you know, going back to all the old hormones and that. And it still carries on now when Tony Moniz comes here. You know, I'm uncle to Tony, let alone fucking Seth and the rest of the family. You know, big, strong families, you know. Uh, Hawaii for me is just like... That was the first time when I went there in... I was 18 years of age and all of a sudden I just fucking fitted in everywhere. Reno Abalera took me one day and he's gone, it's howling onshore. What, so what year, 70s? 73. How fucking, what an amazing time. Oh, look, there's a place called Mokalaya. Underdeveloped. Oh, underdeveloped, yeah. No, we're talking fucking Wild West. There's one policeman on the whole North Shore in Kahuka. No <laughs> no police station in Halle either then. It was the fucking Wild West, mate, you know. It was the Wild West. It's good that, times. That, oh. Oh, yeah, if you're on the right side. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so... Unless you're one of those... Here, I'm going to have a piss. Yeah, right, I'll pause this for a second. Pause that for a second. How are we doing? That picture there of the Hawaiian Islands? Yep. I've never been, but that was my grandma's. And wow. she used to go there all the time when she was young, and that was her favourite place. And if you look at... If you go and have a look at that, things are fucking properly old. It's awesome. I just, anyway, there's something. Well, that's the, you know, what I love about Hawaii because there's some of the outer islands that are still pretty much, and I'm not even saying what there are, but one of the beautiful things because I go to church all the time in Hawaii, there's a whole Christian element there that are just fucking happiest humans on earth. And there's a couple of islands where they've got churches and some leper, old leper colonies that where there's perfect surf. Leper? Yeah. Leper colonies. Molokai was one of them. Molokai was a leper colony. Was it really? Oh, you go and see the history on that. It's mind-blowing. I think it was a Belgian priest that went there and started it. So there's... But it's not there anymore, I don't think. But the surf on those islands, and you can't get to them. There's there's a couple of islands. There's one island off Kauai. Um, It's just only Hawaiians. They've got a perfect right-hander there. So I'm so blessed that I can go to Hawaii and I transcend and I can just go and I feel comfortable in the culture and get in, you know, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you've been going there since the 73. Fuck. Yeah, so I, I loved it. It's just home, you know. And it's home because it, it's sort of the pl- first place that I ever felt comfortable. I never felt comfortable in Australia because of all this shit. And I just thought I was... Just, a, just not a very personable kid and I wasn't very likeable. It took me years to work out later and it was it's a fucking thing called racism, hey. which is, you know, when you reflect back and you reflect back on some of the... a little bit of the pain and a little bit of the, the loneliness, I guess, of growing up as a kid, and you take it back to that and fuck, you know. That's why when the whole Black Lives Matter thing... I could barely leave the house for a week. The thing was, I was angry. I was angry about what was happening. This shit still goes on. And the Robbie Muir thing came out. And I had to stay fucking... I had to stay away from people. Because it still really affects me, you know. Like, oh, you know, I get it. And right. I've been, you know, I've been really well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done some horrific things, you know. When people, you know, I got out of jail... 
and I'd been out of jail for six weeks because I got out of jail early February. It took about six weeks for to get this perfect day of surf. And I don't say this with pride. This is where I really fight in myself now. I should have turned the other fucking cheek. I should have been bigger. But I was young. I'd just come out of jail. I, was, I could fight really well because I'd learnt to fight off the best street fighters in jail. And anyhow, so... I tried to be really mellow and I caught away from Rincon, went through the bowl and the guy dropped in on me. I just went, ah, fuck, right at the end, didn't matter. Second one, got pretty pissed off. The third one, I went, and what's your fucking problem? And he goes, what's your fucking problem, you black cunt? Oh, God, right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay, and he was really big. He was like a ruckman, you know, and I was pretty savvy then, street savvy. So I ended up, knock. I knocked all his teeth out broke his fucking cheekbone and his jaw. I beat the... I went psychotic on his ass, And that should have been... If I had been reported by that guy, I'm on parole. I'm straight back into jail and I fucking do the next two years again. I mean, to be pushed... And, you know, I realise now, and I've had quite a few incidents where shit has happened, heavy shit has happened to me like that and it's a really vulnerable point in me now, you know, it's still a point. So if you're out there, please don't, don't push it. <laughs> no, and I think I can do it now. I think I, I think if someone actually called me with some derogatory name, I, I'm a lot lighter skin now than I was. But no, sorry to cut, but if, so I'm just looking at these levels. Um... Fuck racism, man. Like, I just feel so sorry that people were that mean to you when you were a kid. And you they had didn't to, know. Yeah. You know, but you had to live through that pain. And I understand that as an adult, when you've been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, you fucking snap. That's, that's just human. You don't have to be apologetic for that, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I have to be. I've got to be bigger than that. I don't want to drag myself down to their level. I don't want to get angry over it. I want to be able to look at it and feel sorry for them and go, really? You should come with me for a year and I'll take you a journey through Japan and France and show you Hawaii. I'll show you fucking places I've been in California, places where I can go. And this is, I've got a little bit of a look. I'm not like the blonde Californian. I can slip into some places that are pretty heavy, you know. I, I, once, <laughs> I was in New York once and I had 24 hours off there. So I actually left my passport and, uh, fuck, yeah. I can't believe I fucking did this anyhow. I got a taxi driver to drop me in Harlem, Harlem in the days when it was like fucking people were just killed every day on the street when Harlem was really heavy. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help it. I just got out of the taxi and he said, man, fuck. And I said, just come back in an hour, will you? I want to go and talk to people. So I put my hands up in the air like that and I started walking down the street and some fucking big fucking black, you know, um, big Negroes came over. And I said, g'day, mate, how are you? And they fucking looked at me and went, sorry, man? I said, look, I'm from Australia. (laughs) Okay. And they fucking looked at me, man. And if you had a scene the next hour, 
I got taken. I had a, anyhow. I had all this shit. Really good shit happen. Yeah, I bet. And it was just Blake breaking the barrier down. It, like the taxi driver was beside himself. What he, year was this? Eighties. Probably oh. 85, 86 around then. Yeah. Harlem man, an Australian guy standing in Harlem in just the early eighties, not happening. Just you holding know. my hands up and trusting that you know, I reckon I can talk my way into this. I got no money on me. I got no passport, no nothing. Left it all at the hotel. Anyhow, it was just another one of those crazy fucking moments where I just went, "Wow, be fucking pretty cool." To go and meet the blackfellas in fucking in Harlem, you know, like Harlem's a really radical place. It's like Barton Lynch. Barton Lynch once in Brazil went up through the favelas. They invited him. Did he really? Oh, mate, and he tells the story. They're such good people, just yeah, amazing yeah. people. But they've got baggage, you know. And that's quite often though the people with the the lit that with nothing have the most to give. You know what I mean? Like, they're oh, just, like, you know, they have family, they have look, morals. My daughter went to Uganda with the Cottonon Foundation. And Marine. She, Marine. She, yeah. went, she went there, fuck, maybe 10, 12 years ago. Could be way off the pace there. But I remember when she came home and um, she was a completely changed person. And she was had a career in marketing then. You know, and it looked like with cotton on, she was could have been international marketing. But she came back, and I remember she was talking to me about just these amazing people. Here we are, setting up businesses for them. If they've only got one bottle of water, do you want it? If you want this, the happiness and joy, it fucking changed her life. She came back, and she was just stunned by it, and I'm going, yeah. How nice is it to help people when people have nothing and they'll give you everything? What do you need? I mean, it's just, yeah, anyhow. So that's what we've lived in our lives is we've seen this this amazing part of humanity and then as soon as you got money and power and shit, well, here I am fucking sitting here, you know, hope, oh, no, I'm praying I don't get a tumour. Don't get me wrong. Mm. They are a really good backup plan. There's not many people that have that. You know, but I'm not scared of it, not scared at all. You know, God's got my back. I'm not scared. What have I got to be scared about? Fuck, I'm still here. Honestly, we went through it. 19, the, this glass cancer thing was the 19th. You know, I've been in 19 car accidents. I've been under, under two waves at least 10, maybe 12 times in my life in France. I've been under three has, waves Has that ever once. happened to you here? No, it happened to me down the coast there. Yeah, it happened okay. to me once where I went under three. Three? And Ross pulled me out unconscious. I couldn't get a breath of air. Yeah. I got I got fucking smashed. Jesus, you were lucky Ross was there. Know. Ross got me there. The funny thing was Ross pulled me up unconscious. On, I, and I found out what hypoxia was. I couldn't even hang on to the sled. So he pulled me up behind him. He's going, are you all right? You're all right? And I was going, yeah, And he said, you'll be good in 10 minutes, eh? <laughs> And, like, because he wants to get waves yeah, on the yeah, driver. Yeah. And I vomited all over him. Just all the water and it just all came out over him. And just before he's gone in, make that 15. <laughs> I just fucking dove off into the water and I was still hanging on. But, you know, that's the sort of, you know, the crazy, the crazy fuckers, you know, like a few years ago we were at dinner and Barton was there and Ross and everyone. And they had a confession to make to me. 
you know, because I went to war with cancer. They had a confession. This is what your mates were at. They said, we've got to confess. We really felt sorry for the cancer. <laughs> you know, like you went to war with it, you smashed it. <laughs> but that's sort of the humour, the self-depreciating, and I think all of us from that era, like we didn't have vests, we didn't have fucking medical. If we fucked up, we're dead. There's no other way. There's no, no, you know, like I said, you can't pull the cord. There's no one run security. If we fuck up out there, we are dead. And that's a really different, it's a really different perspective, you know, to put yourself in that position, you know, and you scare the shit out. I used to get scared shitless, but fuck, coming in, mate. Fucking yeah. Survived it. Yeah, yeah. Survived it. For real. For real, you know, and it's the real thing, you know, when you put yourself up against something like that, doesn't matter how fucking good you think you are, mate, you'll always get bitch slapped by nature. In any sport, and they all talk about it, you know, like everyone talks about it, that, you know, you're putting your life on the line, but that's just being an adrenaline junkie, you know, so I'm going to bring that to fucking council. Wait until they've got to put up with me in council. Hey, wait until I... You know, I can't wait. I will pay No, money. no, I'm just saying, you know. But look, honestly, there is no guarantees because I'm going to have to make a decision. I've got another set, set of tests in November. And if I'm lucky enough to get in, yeah, if I'm lucky enough to get in, well, we'll see what happens from there on in, you know. I, I don't know how much I've got in me. I've, I've got to, I'm balancing up. My family, my grandkids, you know, my business is overseas, which the business is like, business overseas. Nah, it's, if you saw what I did overseas with my all my second families and that, you go, that's not work. <laughs> You're having the best time of your life. And I go, fuck yeah, well, that's, that's what my lifestyle should be. Anyhow. So there we go. That's a, that's a fair bit, isn't it? Morris, thank you so much. Thanks for coming over. And look, if uh, if you're in the area, give Morris a vote. Oh, really? No. Well, I do care, but just just follow your own heart. If you want to be part of a solution, well, we've got some pretty serious solutions we're offering. And I say we because there are there is a movement right now. Mm. You know, and I've been very blessed to be in the right place. And, you know, I've been talking to the big fella upstairs and he's just been going, yep, you're on it, do this, get this done. It's, it's, you know, I'll go into that on another one. Yeah, well, we're at a turning point and, Morris, thanks for running. Thanks for coming over. No worries, mate. A great pleasure. Super stoked. Super right. stoked too. Stopping. Take care, you all. Stay safe. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Morris Cole. Um, I told you we went all over the map. Uh, there was a bit of everything in there. Um, if, you're, if you're in the Surf Coast Shire, vote one, Morris Cole. Do what your heart says, as Morris says. Do what your heart says. But if you've seen the David Attenborough movie um, recently, we need a change. We need a colossal fucking change because... Uh, humanity, the wildlife, the uh, earth as we know it. I mean, it, it really it hurts to watch the David Attenborough movie because I'm human, we're all human, and I have a lot of love. But when you step back and look what we're doing for commerce, greed, lack of 
you know, care. I don't know what the fuck. It, it, it frightens me. It makes me sad. And I just, I, I, I get really sad about this experience as a human. And, and, and I know we can do better. We can change something. It doesn't have to be this way. So I look, I, it starts micro. Um, but like, if you've got kids, and I, and I don't, you know, and and I, in a sick way, I feel gratitude that I don't watching something like that documentary. Now, if you do, this is really a moment to stand up and fight for your kids' future, because if kids can't fight for their future at the moment, but we can. Um, so wherever you are in the world, it's time to shake shit up. We need change, and we just can't keep going. You know, I want to you know, keep driving my diesel car because I fucking love it. But it's, I, I'll, I'll happily, it's got to go, you know, like I, I, I don't know what the alternative is, but I know that that's bullshit. But we've got to change. You know what I'm saying? We've got to change. It's got to start now. Um, I'll stop crapping on because I know, you know, who wants to hear the fucking, who's the guy by the dip to take away from Bill Hicks? Who's that guy bumming everybody out? Me bumming you all out anyway look i hope you're well out there in the world we can turn it around life is beautiful and here's a here's a happy note to finish on thursday night i was sitting in the ocean it was getting dark a mate of mine says did you just see that whenever someone says that in the water i get a little like fuck i'm gonna start paddling to the beach and i said no what and he points out and a killer whale popped up and i and you know and they say um you know it took your breath away like i was literally my breath was taken away it was beautiful to see a killer whale not that far away up close and personal in the wild was breathtaking um and and just that was a real happy moment for me um so anyway there we go i hope you're well wherever you are in the world let's turn this ship round and um yeah have a good day night evening whatever that is you're up to see you next time ciao